good to see you. You guys doing good? Did you, did you survive the first holiday? Or the, yeah. Did anybody? Okay, last week's Bible verse was a doozy. Did anybody do that one? Oh, you did. Okay, go ahead. Can you stand up and give it? Yay. Oh, my gosh. They, like, I can't even get that one right now. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely amazing. That's last week's verse. If you didn't get it, uh, we'll give you the card later if you want. Uh, we had technical difficulties last week. So, Crystal, bring up my picture about setting your minds on things above instead of on earthly things. Because I promised you I'd show you this picture. It's kind of hard to see. But... And I've done this picture before. I love it. But here's our little prophet, the Old Testament guy. And he is, he's got his body in heaven, or he's got his body on earth, and he has decided to stick his head into heaven, to have his mind on things above and not on earthly things. It is a, it is a powerful concept to get. And it's actually how God's designed us and he's created us to be heavenly minded and not earthly minded. It's the, the point of the whole sermon today, by the way. It's just a continuation of this thought of, of thinking differently, of thinking divinely, having the, having the mind of Christ. Like what does that really mean to have the mind of Christ? Well, that means if you begin to think like he does, begin to think like God does, and your motivations follow what, what you think. And so if you're thinking like God and the Holy Spirit prompts you to move, you're, you're going to make better decisions in life. Not only are you going to make better decisions, like life changes. Identity is one of the big topics of our culture today. We're always trying to figure out who we are. Um, specifically, people that are I don't know, I, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but people that are younger than me, like, they have no idea who they are, for the most part. Like, there's almost like a full-blown identity crisis. Who am I? Where am I going? What am I here to do? I mean, it's, it's almost like an epidemic among young people. They don't know who they are. They don't know why they're here. They don't know what they're up to. And it's very frustrating. It's a very frustrating place to be when you're not sure who you are. And... Us older folks, we have that problem, too. We have an identity that we have been forming, that we have been chiseling, that, uh, I mean, it, we're, we're so into building our lives and building ourselves um, that we've even taken on the job of building God. 
we have this incredible ability to make God into our own image. It's kind of backwards. If you remember Genesis, we are made in God's image instead of us trying to make him in our, into our image. It's idolatry, by the way. We talked about that last week, too, in the area of greed. Greed is the big motivator for idolatry in our lives. So today, we're going to go over Romans 12, 2. We'll, we'll hit Romans 1, uh, 12, 1, 2. Um, and this is probably, this scripture is huge. Like, it's one of the cornerstones of this whole series. The scripture is, it's very, we're going to spend most of our time talking about just this one scripture, this one passage out of Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Um, we can make a whole series on this one, which is kind of what we've done. But we waited to the last. To, to, we saved the best for last, is what I'm saying. All right, let's, uh, let's start off on verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. Now, this is your spiritual act of worship. So our, our, our spiritual act in engaging in worship, which we just did, whether you realize it or not, some of you are worshiping. Some of you are being entertained. I want to encourage you to move out of entertainment mode because we are Americans and we like to be entertained. But when we worship, it is a spiritual act. And did you catch what it is? It is in bodily form. Obviously, your bodies are here. That's great. Um, but you know this, especially if you have kids. Just because your body is there, that doesn't mean that you're present. Did you catch the kid part? Your kids are driving you crazy. Like, you are there, but um, you're, you're in Cabo, like, in your imagination. You're not checked in. And, look, if you, can, if you cannot be checked in, if you cannot be present with your kids, if you, if you have the ability to not be present with your spouse or to not be present in the workplace, then if you've built in those habits and those, those skills, I should say those dysfunctions, if you've done it in your natural life, it's very easy to do it here too. So I want to encourage you, man. Like, oh my gosh. Like, if you guys did not sense the sweet presence of the Lord, you're spiritually dull. I'm sorry. You just are. Well, it's okay. It's okay. We're gonna, well, you'll, if you start hanging around us, it's going to get on you. You're going to wake up. You're going to start getting it. You'll, you'll repent of the inter entertainment mentality, and then you're going to realize that you are in the band. That you are, well, obviously you're a singer, but you're, you, you are performing for the Lord. Isn't that a cool concept to think about? We're in the band, and we're performing for the Lord when we worship. And it requires our whole body to do so. And I will be the first to admit that I don't like, you know, to express myself. Like, if I was at this major concert, like, you'd probably see what you get here. Like, that would probably be the extent of it as far as the way that I express myself. I'm just, I'm an introvert. That's just how God designed me. That's how I am. Yet, I know if I am to get this thing into a proper state of mind to understand where God is and what he's doing. See, the thing is, he's already here. 
In fact, he's already in your hearts. You are good little temples that are housing the Holy Spirit. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so, when I raise my hands in worship, I am offering my body as a spiritual act of worship. Not because I want to. Sometimes I do want to. Sometimes I just do it because God told me to do it in the Word. It's called obedience. Raise hands. All right, we like to point, all, point out all the other stuff the Bible tells us to do. But, like, really? You're going to tell me how to worship? Yeah, the Lord does. He just does. And so the, the purpose of offering our... There's, there's, what he's saying is offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your spiritual act of worship. So do you see that there is a mind... Not a mind. There is a body-spirit connection. The two extremes of our very being. The part we don't get, the part we don't understand, you can't even understand your spirit with your mind. Did you know that? The very spark of life that makes us into the image of God, we can't rationalize it out. We can't understand our original design as being made of spirit. We don't get it. And so when you get your whole being, your holistic being, into the presence of God, or probably even more accurately, making ourselves aware of the presence of God, right? Being aware of his presence. He's here. He is everywhere. When we adjust our physical self and our emotional self and our, and our will and our desires and even our spirit to the very presence of God, wow, and then I, I think then we begin to, ready for this? Transform. Transformation is another big buzzword that we hear in our culture and media. People that have gone through the transformation process, usually when we're talking about transformation, we're talking about weight loss, right? Like, like, that's the big one. So you go on the diet or you do the exercise routine. You take the pill and all of a sudden you're transformed into something that's completely different. And I, and I love it. Like, uh, we need to do that. We do, I mean, I just told you that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're to offer them as living sacrifices. So therefore, get in shape, right? Like, like actually do some upgrades on your physical temple, I think we should do it. It's just everything is better when you're healthy. And I get not being healthy, and I totally get being sick. I totally get being on medication for pain. I get it. I'm telling you, you can get through it. There's hope on the other side of opiates. There is. Anyway. When we adjust our full self to being aware of God's presence, transformation takes place. And it is a transformation. It's the true transformation into our true selves. Not a transformation of, of weight loss, 
not a transformation in your habits, not a transformation uh, in your bank account, although those are all really good things. The word that we're going to look at here is a little bit deeper, and it's very special. Okay, so this, again, this, this scripture is unique, uh, and even the word is unique. Verse 2. Ready? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Have you heard this verse before? It's a, it's a game changer. It actually, it's going to require a little bit more than just a fly-by reading. This is the one, this is one that you meditate on. Like, we need, we're going to dig into it a little bit, but we really need to meditate on it because it is so practical for today. It apply, this one applies to today probably more than, I shouldn't say more than any other verse. That's probably heresy. But, like, it's a, it's a, it, like, we get this one. Then you'll become more than just being a born-again Christian. You're going to become more than just being saved. Like, we do altar calls every once in a while in the room. You guys are all saved. I'm very proud of you. But are you transformed? This is, you can be born again, but that doesn't mean that you have gone through a transformation process. Right? How many, we all know people that are Christians. They got saved. They said, I'm a new creation. Everything's different. And yet, their mindset remains the same. The mentality remains the same. They, they didn't change any of their habits. All right, so anyway, verse 2. Don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Like this is, all right, I said a few weeks ago that the first century world is no different than our world. I think I'm going to take that back. Okay, the first century world was crazy town. It really was. I mean, uh, they didn't have psychologists and psychiatrists back then, but they needed them. <laughs> oh my gosh, did they need them. You know, we deal with PTSD in our culture, right? Like all over the place. And it's not just for people that have gone to war. But my gosh, like the, the amount of wholesale violence and slaughter in the first century what people were actually exposed to, what kids actually saw, uh, like that would just jack you up. I mean, it was bad. And it's, you know, you know we get to like, you know, dry, fly a drone over some people and blow them up, right? And it doesn't, we don't, like, if you really begin to think about it, that will start messing with you. But we have the opportunity to ignore it. But when you see people get hacked up, there's a psychological impact that is, is really damaging. So first century, really bad. Our century, so the pattern of the world in the first century was one of violence, was one of control, was one of manipulation. Uh, our whole legal system is based off of first century Roman law. Our society is based off of Roman law and Greek culture. So we share some similarities in the pattern of the world. But we are at a tipping point in our culture right now where the patterns of this world, of this present evil age, like 
we don't even realize that we're in it. We don't realize that we've already fallen prey to the patterns of this world. How do you know that? I don't know. What were you doing yesterday at Black Friday? Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that our, our consumer-based mentality, our consumer-based culture is a pattern of this world that if we're, not, if, we, if we're not careful as believers and as Christians and as somebody that is set apart and set outside of the world, like that, that mentality and that pattern of the world will eat us up. So we can't conform to it. Like, we're facing changes in this modern world that John the Revelator was writing about. Like, it's so bizarre. Artificial intelligence is so bizarre. Weapons of mass destruction, they're so bizarre. And yet, John the Revelator gets a revelation of our future, and he's like, what's going on here? This is weird. And so he describes it as all being kind of weird. And I'm like, the pattern of the world that's going to, uh, all right, I'm going to say this word, probably freak some people out. The pattern of this world, the next stage of our adaptation, the word I was going to use is going to freak you out, of our evolution as, as humans, it's just crazy. We, we make designer babies, right? We can, we can tell them to have all the traits that we want. I was watching the show on the evolution of mankind. It's on Netflix. You should watch it freaks me out. Because when you adapt into a, a, an environment, when, like, you know, if we were to, to move to, a, you know, Alaska, like, we would, eventually, we would adapt to our cold environment. Like, I would grow more back hair. I, I think I have plenty of back hair already. Like, how come it's not coming off? I'm in Southern California. Um, anyway, I haven't adapted to this culture fully yet, or this climate fully yet. But we know, you know, science knows that you've got to mutate in order to, to eventually adapt into the culture. So a mutation could be a good thing or a bad thing. There hasn't been any mutations yet with our genetic engineering. So we're making A-plus kids. We're designing kids to actually be in intellectually smart. And nothing is mutated yet. So they don't know, we don't know what Frankenstein we're creating. In addition to that, once we start making designer people, designer kids, we, and they're smarter, they're going to be smarter than us, because that, that's the number one trait that people with money, when they're making kids, and you know this, if you've got kids, if you, you know, you're going to invest everything that you've got into your kid, right? The next pattern of this world will be a completely different new class of people. That, that's scary, right? A privileged class that's smarter, they're going to live longer, they're not going to have disease, they're going to be superior in every way. And this is the new pattern of the world that they're telling us to be careful of and not conform to. Usually when preachers talk about the, con you know, don't conform to the patterns of the world, it, we're just usually talking about like Las Vegas and rock and roll music and all that kind of stuff, right? Just 
Look at, your, look at the medications that you're conforming to right now. Look at your spending habits that you're conforming to right now. Look, what, look at your calendar that you're conforming to right now. Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your money? Where are you spending your energies? Where is it conforming to? Like, like what he's telling us is that we need to be mindful of what's going on in our world around us. And it's not to freak out. It's just to make sure that we don't conform to it, that we remain in the world but not of the world. Amen? Okay. All right, here we go. And then don't conform, but be transformed. Everybody wants to transform, right? This word transform in Romans is where we get our word metamorphosis. It's a unique word in all of the scriptures. It's used here, and it's used one other time, and that's at the Mount of Transfiguration. It says, don't conform, but be transformed. Metamorph. Be become something completely different than what you are right now. Like, some of us, that's really good news, right? Because maybe you don't like yourself. It's like, I would love to be a completely different person, and you can be, absolutely. Some of us like who we are, and we don't want to change. Some of us like our little bad habits and our attitudes and everything. We feel entitled to them. And yet, the Lord's saying, don't conform, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, so, um, he's talking to saved people right now. Amen? He's talking to you. Like, this message is for you. The Lord is saying, there's more. Don't level off. Don't plateau in the day that you got saved. There's way more. Don't even plateau at Bible college. Bible, Bible college is great. I'm not, I'm not saying yeah, everybody needs to go to Bible college. Like, like, just do some YouTube stuff. Like, it's probably just as good. <laughs> oh, is that hard? Is that, is that too much? I know, I'm sorry. I got, some, I got some kids in Bible college right now. I'm so sorry. I went to Bible college. Yeah, I'm still paying for it. I'm 46 years old. Amen. Paying for my wife's Bible college, too. The transformed mind is, some, is a mind that's continually being renewed. So be transformed by what? By the renewing of the mind. So there we have our little butterfly. It is in transition, and, and you are in transition. And you might be... I think that we're going to be in transition probably for the rest of our lives here on the planet, and that's okay. But, like, God does not want us to stay in pupae form. I don't know. What's, come on, biologists, what's the right way to say that? What's the, little, what's the little caterpillar called in scientific terms? Crystallis. There we go. doesn't want us to stay in the cocoon. Like we need to be getting out of our shell. This is an introvert telling you that you need to get out of your shell. 
Introverts are extremely powerful, by the way. Regardless, God's calling us to get out of our shells. Most introverts run really deep. But we're not called to keep our knowledge hidden and our wisdom hidden, even our passions concealed. It's like, it's just not for us. It's for the world. This is what we need to get into our heads. Like, we need to share the, what we've been given. Even the insights, the creativity, the, 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 the poetry. You've got to share it. That's what introverts are to do. Anyway, the, the renewing of the mind, this is stuff that you can't get Barnes & Noble self-help book stuff. This is spiritual principle stuff. This is deep. When you, when you get in the presence of other believers, when you, like I, I said this too before, like when you experience God's presence, I hope, it is, this is one of the things I pray about for you, that your mind begins to renew. Like, bless your heart. Bless everybody that's, that memorized the Bible scripture. Bless your heart. Like, it's a really good habit to get. But knowledge does not equal wisdom. The renewed mind has experienced the love of God. The renewed mind has experienced Jesus. The transformed mind is, is, is based off of getting into God's presence Sticking your head into heaven and letting that guide you and not the knowledge and the information of this world. The transformed mind will see a miracle of a physical body and be like, yeah, that makes sense. The transformed mind will understand when you're in a certain situation that you didn't put yourself in and all of a sudden there's an opportunity to share the word we call it a divine appointment like oh that makes sense now the transformed mind will look at the world's issues and the world's problem from the perspective of heaven and not the perspective of this world and so those that are developing their transformed minds, they are beginning to act and behave like God originally intended them as he, his purpose and his desire and his will was that we were to be made in his image. So the transformed mind, is, it's basically this, it's just like the mind of Christ. The transformed mind sees opportunity the transformed mind sees miracle as being natural, naturally supernatural. The transformed mind is like these momentary problems in this situation, like, like God's got this. And all I've got to do is just continue to let him lead and guide me. Do you ever wonder what God's will is for your life? Uh, most young people do. And this is not a, 
uh, a certain demographic. I mean, this is not like, you know, the millennials or the Xers. Like, this is for all young people. No matter what generation that you grew up in, and which time bracket that you grew up in, young people always want to know, what, God, what is your will for my life? And when you get saved, when you come into a saving knowledge of Christ, you'll ask that question too. God, what is, what is your will for my life? Legitimate question to ask, right? The transformed mind, ready for this one? The transformed mind doesn't ask that question anymore. The transformed mind has become the butterfly mind. And it is completely secure in where God has led them. Insecurity among people is huge. I don't know what God's will is for my life. Well, I, I, you know, did you catch what it said? Like, again, this is something that you just can't gloss over and just read over. Like, this is so bizarre and interesting. All right. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and, what does that word say? Approve. What? That means you get to say amen to it. To test and approve what God's will is. His good pleasing, and perfect will. So, uh, spiritual life is complicated, just like everything else in life. And when you press into spiritual matters, sometimes it does get confusing. Ready for this? You'll even get bad advice from other Christians. This is kind of an extreme, but I'll give it... um, Uh, if you're new, this is how we do things. But we receive uh, God's word from the objective Bible, the objective truth. We, re- we hear God's voice in prayer. And then we also hear God's voice in community, in the, in the church body and family. And so, you know, sometimes I'm reading the word of God and I don't necessarily, I don't know, get an answer that I'm looking for or whatever. Or maybe I have a bad attitude and, like, my prayer life is more like one direction. How many people, your prayer life is one direction? Like, you talk too much and you never shut up. Like, God can't get a word in edgewise, right? And you're like, oh, God, would you straighten out my spouse? Oh, God, would you get my kids in line? Oh, God, would you give me some more money? Oh, God, would you, you know, heal my body? Like, we just would just enter into his courts with griping and complaining. And um, so the Lord, in his, in his loving kindness, will use you guys to minister to one another. Because you're, you're too dense to listen to him while you're praying. And you're too heady to actually hear the rhema word of God when you're reading the scriptures. Rhema word of God is the living, active word. It's the one that applies to your specific need in your time of issue. And so he'll use your brothers and sisters to speak life into you. Happens all the time. Happens all the time in this environment. This is a culture that I want to cultivate and, and, and foster, where, where like you genuinely speak the truth and love because you actually love the people in your, 
you know, in your company. I love my staff, and I trust them, and I want them to speak into my life. I want them to give me feedback when I get off the rails sometimes. And it happens, right? Man, I start making fun of other denominations. It happens. Because <laughs> they're wrong and I'm right. But it happens, right? And then, um, you, know, you know, in, my, in the staff sweet way, they, they're like, you know what, Josh? Like, everything was amazing there. But, like, you just need to leave, them, you know, you need to leave that group alone. I'm like, okay, you're right. So do you see how the Lord can use other people to bring correction? Has there been other points where it's like, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. You ever been there? Lord, I don't know if I can do this. I've had a lot of those. They usually come on Saturday night. Lord, I don't know if I can preach tomorrow. And one of you sweet people will give me a call. Or I'll get a text. I'll get a word of encouragement. Yeah? Now, those are all really good. But with the good comes bad stuff, too. Because we are human. And you are, you are human, and I am human. We have the uncanny ability to inject our biases into what God is doing. Like, if, oh my gosh, if we get this one as a church, like, we would be absolutely unstoppable. Some of us have got it where you have a level of discernment where you know when something's sideways. Like, even when God's working, it's like, eh, it's something quite, not quite right. And so whenever you feel like something is not quite right, that's your assignment to pray into it. All right, so one time I got a word from the Lord from somebody. This person isn't in the church anymore. I didn't kick them out either. But bless their hearts, right? They had good hearts. And they gave me this word. And says, Pastor Josh, the enemy of God is after you. True statement, right? He's after you too. True statement. And you really need to be careful. Okay? Another true statement. You know, be on your guard, be alert. He says, don't go to the food, don't, don't go to the food bank and, and serve this Saturday because somebody's going to gun you down. Right? Because there's an area of your life where you haven't dealt with it. That's probably a true statement, too. But because I haven't dealt with it, therefore I'm going to get gunned down and serving food at the food bank. I was so mad. I was so angry, right? And because it was coming from a thus saith the Lord thing, right? Like I think they even had a dream. I had a dream that you got shot. I'm like, I was so mad. Like I went to that food bank. And I was serving food like this all day long. So God bless you. You know, I was so mad because... Like, parts of the word was right, but the other part was tainted, right? I don't know, because they didn't like me for some reason. I don't know what the deal was. I don't know what the issue was. And so the transformed mind will be able to say, will be able to test and approve. So when you have the transformed mind, 
You get to test what God's will is, and you even actually have the power and the ability to approve it. You get to approve what God is doing. What? So you're able to find what is true and what is not. What's the real deal and what's a counterfeit? What's a good word and what's a sideways word? And you get to, you, get to, you know, cast it off. You get to hold those thoughts captive. and you, need to, you, get, you get the opportunity to make them obedient to Christ and to not allow them to get under your skin like it did to me and made me mad and, you know, I served the Lord in anger for an afternoon. So you don't, ha- you don't have to do that. The transformed mind is to test and approve what God's will is for your life. So this is, this is why people that are going through the transformation process, they don't ask that question of their lives anymore. What is God's will in my life? What am I, you know, I'm so insecure about my direction and my future. I don't know what God's will is. No, we do know what God's will is. It's good, and it's pleasing, and it's perfect, and it doesn't give bad, evil advice like you're going to get shot. The good and pleasing perfect will, will will never say, you know what, God made you sick to teach you a lesson. The good and pleasing perfect will says, you know what, you know, you're you're going through this hardship and God's teaching you a lesson. Like I, I know it's complicated, but here's the thing. God's not the author of evil. So he's not going to give you cancer to, to to strengthen your resolve, right? To build your character. He can build your character through that, but he didn't give it. And so bless their hearts. People will say, you know what? If it's just the will of God, then he'll heal you. Have you ever heard that one before? That one makes me mad too. If it's the will of God, then Uncle Bob's going to come to the Lord someday. The Bible tells us what the will of God is, that all men shall come to salvation. Like Jesus demonstrated what his will was each and every time he he interacted with a sick person. He healed them, every single one of them. That's his will. And that is our will for our lives, too. The transformed mind is a different ballgame. So as our society is advancing, I don't know if you even want to call it that, advancing, evolving, adapting, creating God knows what somewhere in Siberia, right? You know there's some mad scientist that's cloned humans by now. It's happened. So as our world is developing patterns that are against his very nature, that's against the very nature of God, uh, he is, we're evolving too as Christians. That, that, That sounds really strange to say, doesn't it? We're transforming. By the renewing of our mind, by seeing the natural is is super... Like, like we are being called up into a higher game right now. And I guarantee you, if you begin to think about the the, the supernatural as natural, like maybe you've never had an experience with God. Like maybe you've never had that religious experience. You need to hang out with us. It's going to happen. It probably won't even happen in this room. It's going to happen some other place. But if you have that religious experience, the Spirit of God shows up in your bedroom, white blinding light comes into your car someday, you're dying of cancer and then you're healed, that 
transforms your thinking. And this is what our culture needs. We've got enough self-help Christianity. It's a multi-billion dollar industry in America, and I think it's making us sick. And it's keeping us in bondage. Because it's, it's stripped out the power of God and, the, and of the church. It's working on dead people instead of working on alive people. We are new creations. We've been made new. And God wants to work on the newness of you. He wants to work on the transformed you. Like, he wants to put jetpacks on your butterfly wings. Because, like, the old crystalless thing, that's dead and gone. We keep bringing it up. It's dead and gone. Amen? All right, let me get the band to come up. That's just come up. Uh, the word transform, metamorphosis, is unique in all the scriptures. The only other time that's used is at the, is at, uh, the mountain of transfiguration. So Jesus morphed, metamorphed, transformed into his real person, into who he, who he really was at the Mount of Transfiguration. It freaked everybody out. Peter's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Because Jesus' face lights up, like literally lights up, his clothes light up. It's like, it's a religious moment. It's like a religious experience. Everybody's freaking out. They don't know what's going on because Jesus is literally morphing right there into their presence. And Peter's like, I know, I, I have a great idea. Let's build some uh, sanctuaries for them. Let's make, it a, let's make it a religious thing here. And as he's like mouthing off, God says, dude, shut up. <laughs> shut up. You don't know what you're doing. And then all of this, you know, in that moment, he realized, oh my gosh, the other... The other prophets, Elijah and Moses, they, they vanished. And it was just Jesus sitting there in all of his glory. The Old Testament way of doing things, the, the prophets, that you can only hear God's voice from one special guy, that was gone. The other, the other uh, Moses is being the, the person that gave us the rule book, the law, the law kills. That was gone. And all that really matters is just that personal relationship with Jesus as he's sitting there in his glory, completely morphed. And this is, this is what he wants to do to you. This is what he is doing to you. You are morphing. You are transforming right now. You're transforming into something that God has created you to truly be. You're getting back to your original self. Oh, would you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, I just thank you so much for your presence. I pray that we become more aware of your healing presence and give us encounters that we cannot deny with our rational mind, encounters that will transform our thinking, encounters that will renew our minds into a spiritual perception. We pray that you do this in your name, Lord.